Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on the another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express. I have gathered with me tonight our group of soon-to-be investigators, and we'll go around and do introductions. So, to my right. I'm Mike, and I'm playing James Robert Razor. And to his right. I'm Rena, and I'm playing Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy. At the end of the table. Hello, I'm Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith. To his right. I'm Miranda, and I'm playing Maggie Bellinger. And last but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. Indeed. So when last we gathered, our investigators encountered a rather interesting collection of Mayan artifacts. They gathered, they gawked, some of them even drew. They have received, in the past day or so, a invitation from a Professor Julius Smith uh, from St. John Wood to attend the Challenger Trust Banquet Lecture in London. And when they attend, uh, I'm sure hijinks will ensue, if last session is, is any mark on it. So we'll raise the curtain tonight on the Imperial Institute. It is a formal affair. For those of you who maybe have not had the opportunity to gather yourself in the proper social clothing, you would have found Professor Smith went out of his way to make sure that you had the proper attire, even going as far as to letting you know where a shop close by could properly outfit you. While that is probably not an issue for Lady Fitzroy, while that is probably not an issue for Maggie and... uh, it, it might be something that uh, Simon and Richard have to look into. We are at the Imperial Institute tonight, a rather wide building known for its lectures and known for its uh, auspicious events. Even in the uh, research of the event, Mr. Fraser, you've, uh, you note here that uh, Mary Curie spoke as a keynote years ago. And even as you're continuing to make sure that her ladyship has what she needs. Uh, you're going through and perhaps filling her in on some of the details of those who might be here. It's uh, a little strange as well for uh, Mr. Fraser to be uh, wearing black tie to an event like this. Normally he would be uh, dressed uh, slightly differently, and but uh, obviously if uh, he's actually been personally invited himself. I'm not sure whether he's received an invitation or whether it's uh, her ladyship that's received an invitation and he's merely there as a a companion, as it were, in order to assist her where where necessary. Whether her ladyship would share it with you or not, at least you would have gotten your invitation specifically would have had a note at the bottom to make sure that uh, Mr. Fraser feels personally invited. He's quite sort of 
surprised and was rather flattered to have, have received this in himself. So yes, he'll dig out his his very best black tie and uh, look at himself in the mirror, smart himself up, make his way up to see her ladyship and ensure that everything's in place. He'll also have a word with uh, Mr. Hughes, the butler of the house in Kensington, and just make sure that everything's okay in the house, everything's in, in order, and let him know what, what time they'll be expected back. Mr. Hughes thanks you and, and mentions, uh, sure that you'll uh, enjoy your evening. Well, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Hughes. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what to expect, but... Uh, well, better, better you than me. <laughs> he smooths quite, his jacket. <laughs> quite. <laughs> I'll speak to you, no doubt, when uh, when we return to the house. But thank you very much for looking after things. Think, think nothing of it. I should be able to leave everything in your capable hands. Mm. Doing some cursory research, those of you who would have, after a couple of days, just kind of poked your nose into a book or two. Uh, the Imperial Institute, it's not a very old institution. It was brought into being by Queen Victoria in the late 1800s, so 1888. Uh, and then she doesn't open it actually until 1893. And realistically for you, what your third party perspective on the Institute, it could vary, but basically it's an opportunity for private citizens to show what they're doing for Her Majesty's government and Her Majesty's empire. Things have changed a bit since Victorian times, but the Institute still has weight when it comes to who speaks here. So that big building is uh, almost a bit intimidating as you make your way to it. There is definitely an air of uh, importance that's gathered here. Uh, far more than the Maudsley Collection event. This is uh, a street lined with autos with uh, important people. Those who are titled and even non-titled folks are getting out and making themselves perfect as, as far as form and dress goes. Maggie, your Aunt Edith is unable to attend. Oh. It appears that she has a monthly social event that she needs to attend. Uh, she says that it's it's basically impossible for her to move. She kind of muses a bit that if the professor has one drawback, sometimes it's the timing of his um, invites. And though she is a bit disappointed, um, she hopes that you'll go in her stead and then even mentions that she hopes that your friend Richard is there. Yes, I'd be uh, happy to attend. It would be nice to run into Richard again, and I'm sure that I can um, pass along to the professor that you wish that you could attend. Mm, yes, please do if you speak with him. Yes, I wouldn't want him to think that you didn't want to be there, but I understand that sometimes there are social commitments that one can't get out of. Indeed, and that is truly what this is. Yes, it's quite understandable. You arrive at the Institute, all of you, and you get you get sat in a gallery. So the, the gallery here looks down on a stage. And uh, while it is a banquet and while there is going to be food, the food is served afterwards. The, you hear probably some rumblings between the uh, folks here that the food is probably served after is to not put anyone to sleep. As some of the talks in the past have been known to be a bit, I don't know if wonkish is the right word, but very technical. Uh, especially when it came to uh, Count von Zeppelin's address about the uh, about some of the, his his practices. The formal dinner itself is waiting in another portion of the wing while uh, the event begins. And to great pomp and circumstance, many of the attendees, uh, especially going to title, uh, there are dukes here. So there are some fairly important people. Uh, they get 
not so much announced, but thanked being in attendance. And there are a couple of speakers before Smith. Uh, so there is a speaker and his name is uh, Townsend. He speaks on a matter of architecture, mostly steel. And uh, he also talks about developments he's made in bridge building. And so while it is interesting, it is perhaps a bit dry. You in your chair seem to almost dry a bit as if you are an oil painting. But the night comes to a bit of a crescendo when Professor Smith in black tuxedo takes the stage. He offers you an opportunity, he says. I'm going to offer you an opportunity to be a skeptic this evening. It is completely understandable for what I might present to you may seem a fascination of the mind. It may seem incredible, impossible to believe in, but I am going to present it to you with a most scientific mind, for I am no fool as to know that there are a number of charlatans that operate in these same channels. Maggie, you you see that Lord Walters is in attendance this evening. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's probably about right. Yeah, <laughs> that's about what Maggie thinks of Lord Walters. He begins to thoroughly go through and debunk a series of mediums, spiritualists, fortune tellers, prophets, apparitions. He begins to break them down on a scientific level, and he begins to disprove those objects. You see a a number of pictures are projected. And he even goes through, in a very droll manner, uh, and entertaining. And he goes through and, and cuts each one to ribbons, really. Richard, you've never seen Professor Smith so sharp. Even in the classroom when you were younger, he's on the top of his game. There's quite a few rolls of laughter as he goes through some of these collections. And he says, if we lighten one of these images, he places it up uh, on top. If you take this image of uh, a woman, you can see that there is a man sitting in a chair with this woman overlaying her, the presupposition, of course, is that this woman is a ghost or some spirit. But careful analysis shows you at the edge of the picture there in the upper right how the photographer has placed one image over the other and used the flash to burn in the second under the top. A clear fabrication. There proved to be, however, you see uh, him turn and you can almost feel his voice get a little bit serious categories of repetitious phenomena offering no simple elucidation. I refer to the poltergeist, to the the traveler who suddenly finds himself dozens or thousands of miles or years from where he stood moments before, and to the haunting. My presentation concerns the last. I say haunting and not ghost or spirit, because such phenomena Haunters can be buildings, lanterns, coaches and fours, swords and so on, as well as men, women, dogs, bears, processions, even armies. Worldwide, the store of casual anecdote concerning hauntings is enormous. I say that because haunters are not linked with any specific observers, and the haunting presumably occurs without human witnesses, as we shall see. Thus, perception of such an event is secondary to the event itself. The essential characteristics of haunters are simply the person or the thing must have existed 
must have disappeared in some sense, and then must reappear once or many times. The location of the phenomena may stay the same or may change. That which reappears may be partial and insubstantial, or may be as solid as the real seeming as any member of tonight's illustrious gathering. No other conditions are needed. You see him project another slide. He begins to go through a couple of these in succession. You see a fishing boat. Uh, then there's a picture of a Norwegian woman and then a London handsome cap. Each incident is studied and photographed simultaneously from three positions, allowing an accurate scaling of the apparitions. He begins to go through and show you the exacting nature of his photography. The three apparitions do not coalesce from points as most of those tales subscribe, but they slowly emerge whole from invisible planes as if passing through what he terms the curtains of perception. Each is semi-transparent. You can see him trace clear passage of a wave through the fishing boat, for instance, and he shows that the, the image causes no froth or ripples on the water. It does not resist the water, he specifically points out. In the other slides, the you can see that the second or third photographers through the image of the apparition. So you can see there are other people participating in his work. You can see them in the other photographs. And from your view, you can see the front end of their cameras. And that's really, Richard, where your brain kind of latches on to some of the experiences you had with the sextant. Yes, so I wonder... Was this similar? Did I... Perhaps those that I saw could see me like I see these in these photos now. I wonder if Professor Smith knew. He claimed not to have touched it very much when I first encountered this device, but... I mean, who knows? This is such a coincidence. What has he discovered? The apparitions seem not to be uniformly preserved to your eyes. The south of England... Uh, Smith notes, has been settled by man for thousands of years. Yet the vast majority of the hauntings seem to have been produced only in the past five or six centuries. Only a handful survived since Roman times. Curious. He says, It is my belief that such hauntings represent clues concerning a natural universe much larger and much stranger than we imagine. The walls of what we perceive as normality have a subtle flexibility. The spectral hauntings I have discussed represent attempts, perhaps random, perhaps purposeful, certainly unsuccessful, to return to this time and space by elements of it somehow removed. If we are energetic and not a little lucky in our observations, students of the paraphysicality may one day be able to move up and down in time or travel globally with minor effort or to perceive that which presents lies completely beyond our senses. What waits beyond remains the supreme question which, for the present, each must answer for himself. And he concludes, to a stunned crowd. Maggie is less stunned and more lost. <laughs> people start clapping. Mr. Fraser, you have a very keen sense of people's social graces. You can tell that they're clapping out of respect rather than belief. 
Yes, well, he kind of feels a little bit the same. He gives a, a perfunctory, um, gentle clap of the hands, but he's uh, he's really not convinced by this, not in the slightest. Why don't everyone make a spot hidden roll for me? Oh, fancy. I know, right? Dice rolling. Imagine that. Okay. Maggie failed. Okay. I passed 36 under 50. And... I've come. I rolled a zero one. Oh. My first roll. I've rolled a zero one. That's uh, a good omen. That portends well. I passed as well at a thirty-four under forty. Okay. Yeah, I passed too with a forty-three under sixty. So then, Mister Fraser is the only one who sees it. While you are taking in the crowd and uh, adjusting your social tendencies to make sure that people are well within your own uh, agreement about the situation. You notice that there's a, a gentleman watching the crowd, much like you are. Uh, he's back a bit from the stage and then he's in the gallery himself, but he's also watching, is that Richard, the, the man the professor was talking to the other night? He seems to be watching him and then going back to, to Mr. Smith. He's a, uh, He's definitely dark-skinned, mustache. It's definitely something you notice. So this this chap, does he look um, like he's um, uh, African-Asian, possibly South American? Or can I tell this, his genealogy? To you, he probably looks more Turkish. Turkish. Um, and how's he dressed? He's dressed for the uh, he's dressed for the evening. So he's in he's in black tie, yeah. Mm, yes. What what kind of age would I would I think he was? Late thirties. Uh, um, but the mustache is definitely something that's more foreign than yeah. And it's not a style that would be worn here in in, uh, in London, at least not by most. I'll um, discreetly um, say, kind of almost out the side of my mouth to uh, to Lady Elizabeth. Uh, seems to be a gentleman. Uh, Further up, uh, uh, a few a few rows behind us, taking a rather keen interest in uh, Mister Courtney, was it? The gentleman to our left. Interesting. I'm not going to turn around and look because I don't want to draw attention, of course. But uh, <laughs> keep an eye on that if you okay. can, Fraser. Just I'm interested. Of course, yes. As you're watching him, Mister Fraser, he moves his vision and then you lock vision for a moment and you see him almost socially just excuse himself from your sight he notices that you notice him and he um, steps out I, I mean I'll, I'll try and sort of pass it off as, as though my eyes are just generally sweeping the faces in in the audience but uh... I think he's uh, aware that he's being been observed. He's excused himself from the uh, from the auditorium. So as the talk ends, um, you can tell that some folks around the institute are genuinely interested in what Smith has brought to the table. Uh, he does seem to attract a few visitors, although there is no uh, there is no roaring encore for him. Most of the peers that are here are excusing themselves to go 
to eat, or excusing themselves entirely. Did I get a sense of the the manner in which Richard was being observed? Was it just kind of a, a casual glance, or was there some sort of scrutiny or an expression of of any of any kind obvious on on the uh, man's face? There was definitely an intent stare. His glance wasn't passing over Richard, and wasn't passing over Smith either. There was intention there, and not not a benevolent intention from the from the, the look of him. Um, you don't believe so? No. The institute chamber begins to thin out, and uh, as it does, you have the ability to potentially speak with Smith. I think. Um at some stage, just as the various members of the audience are getting up and, and milling around a little bit, if I get the opportunity, I'll uh, catch Mr. Courtney's eye. Uh, I don't. Um, I don't believe we've been introduced. Uh, we, we met briefly at, at the museum. Yes, yes, I remember. Um, Richard Courtney, a pleasure to meet you. Uh, Fr- Fraser, uh, James Fraser. Very, oh. very, very pleased to meet you. I uh, work, I'm the personal assistant uh, for Lady Elizabeth here. I don't know if you're aware, but uh, there seemed to be a gentleman at the towards the rear of the auditorium who uh, was observing both uh, Professor Smith and, and yourself throughout the course of the lecture. My, myself? I mean... Yes, perhaps, a, perhaps an acquaintance of yours of, of some kind. I... I very much doubt it. I mean, uh, the only people I... I know those at the uh, the university, uh, fellow lecturers and, and students, and, and I can't imagine them being here. Oh, well, I only mention it because uh, uh, he, he seemed to be um, observing you with a somewhat intently uh, for a, for a few moments. He, he, he noticed that uh, that I had uh, I myself had noticed him, and uh, he made him scare himself uh, scarce fairly quickly. So, oh my! I wasn't quite sure whether it was something that. Uh, that perhaps you should be made aware of, so I thought it best to err on the side of caution in that respect. Well, indeed, thank you. I mean, I can't imagine for one moment what what he would have been interested in. I mean, uh, Professor Smith, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, a fantastic speaker, but but myself, I mean, no. I... Foreign gentleman, I believe he was, uh, certainly from oh. from the look of him, he looked like he perhaps Turkish or something similar. Turkish? Well, there's a thing. Well, thank thank you for pointing that out. I mean, I, I'll ask Professor Smith. I'm sure. I'm I'm, I'm quite sure it is nothing. But uh, I just thought I'd make you aware of it. And uh, perhaps he is a he is a colleague of uh, of Professor Smith. Maybe, maybe from one of his digs. But here, well, as I say, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's nothing. But uh, yes, yes. Well, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes. And, and very nice to meet you as well. Sir. Oh, and and uh, and absolutely, uh, Fraser, wasn't it? That's correct, sir. James Fraser. James Fraser. Yes, pleasure, pleasure to make your acquaintance. So, anyone else going to potentially offer their personal congratulations to uh, Professor Smith? I'm definitely very interested in in what he had to say, and uh, I found it personally fascinating, even despite uh, the occasional harmph from Fraser. So, I'm going to go up and tell him congratulations, and and see if he if he wants to talk any further about it. Oh, uh, thank you very much, lady. It's uh, from you. That's quite a quite a compliment. It was absolutely fascinating. 
So can you tell me a little bit more about uh, about what you've been working on? I know you can't exactly go into all the details uh, in a talk like this, but I'd love to know more. Well, um, I have been working on several different uh, projects, one of which was the compilation of several years of work that I've shown you here. Uh, I truly do believe that there is a way to properly and scientifically categorize and document these events. Yes, and that's what I find so fascinating because, as, as you are aware, most of the other people, let's say, looking into these sorts of things hardly go about it in a scientific manner. And I'm very interested in the scientific cataloging and, and the process that we can actually get people to to look into these things more deeply if there's a scientific foundation. So I, I greatly admire the work you're doing. I, I concur. I think the difficulty with putting true science in front of someone when it correlates with these uh, subject matters is that they're uh, they're so very much used to uh, more vaudevillian and charlatan uh, angles. They're so easily dismissed. I could tell that the crowd was respectful. He smiles. Yes, well, if we want the results to last, if we don't want to be dismissed as as a charlatan, as you say, or as, or as merely stage performance, then we have to approach it in the same more academic, rigorous way. Uh, or at, at least that's my personal belief here. Maybe people now won't believe us, but in 10, 20, 30, 50 years, if the results bear out and they were done appropriately, we may actually make some progress. Fraser, are you down there with her or are you hanging back a bit or where are you at? Well, it, it kind of depends on, on whether she's moved forward to speak to him whilst I'm having this brief chat with, with Richard. Um, My guess is probably yes. She's not going to wait for you. <laughs> <laughs> but in that case, when, when I take my leave of him, I'll make my way down, down towards um, her ladyship and to join her. You would notice at least that uh, the professor seems to be going between speaking with you and then keeping an eye on something behind you. He leans forward just ever so slightly, not as to invade your personal space by any means, but uh, he says a bit lower toned. He said, he says, we should speak at some point about something I believe was left to you. Oh, color me intrigued. A book. Oh, really? Yes. Have to be a bit more specific. I have many. A red one. One you've probably had some difficulty with. Ah, yes. And uh, what is your interest in in such a book? No interest at all for me, other than the fact that that it is in your care and not uh, unaccounted for. Yes, well, it's not unaccounted for, I can tell you that. Good. I believe you should speak with uh, one of my understudies. Uh, actually, a good friend. You perhaps met him uh, at the uh, Maudsley Collection. He uh, raises his hand and motions towards you, Richard. I'm not sure if you met Professor Courtney. I don't believe we did, although I did see you. Yes, yes. Uh, you were at the uh, at the uh, the Maudsley Collection the other night. Yes, uh, over by the masks, I believe. Yes, indeed. Right. Don't don't ruin it yet, Richard. Let me do the thing properly. <laughs> um, Milady Fitzroy, this is Professor 
Uh, I can't believe I'm saying that. Professor Richard Courtney. There, done. Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, pleasure to meet you. And a pleasure to meet you. Interestingly enough, the two of you have some things in common, although you may not know it just yet. You see, it's all very complicated. Sounds like it. Uh, Yes. There, There was a dig recently in northern Greece. Yes. And something was recovered from it. Something I've given to Richard here to, to care for. And I'm telling you, of course, in, in strictest of confidence, I, I know I can trust you. He, I believe, has been doing some work with it. And I believe what you may have recovered, um, or what I believe is in your care, uh, I believe the two are connected. Really? And that one would not operate properly without the other. I must... I must speak with you about this device. I've I've made so much progress already. Um, so, Simon, I know you're in the hall, and I know that you watched the, the proceedings. You would also be keenly available to see this interaction going on. While you wouldn't be able to hear it, per se, you can tell just by body language a bit that uh, Professor Smith is talking very intently to both of them. Could I make a listen roll? Yeah, sure. That's a 19 under 40, so that'd be a hard success. So you would have picked up a part of the conversation you would have heard over the the din of the, the leaving crowd. You would have heard the last bit there when he talked about the two of them being connected. The two items being connected. Uh, And it's at this point that uh, Mr. Frazier has arrived. Leadership... Professor Smith. Oh, Mr. Fraser. Ah, there you are, Fraser. I wondered where you'd gotten off to. I do beg your pardon, your ladyship. Uh, I was uh, speaking uh, with uh, Mr. Courtney, uh, Professor Courtney, I believe. Ah, so you've already been acquainted. Wonderful. Briefly, briefly, your ladyship, yes. So, Professor, I'm guessing we probably shouldn't stand around having this conversation before the dinner and so on. Um, but I would love to talk to you about this uh, this artifact. Mm. If uh, the, the professor here thinks that we can be of help to each other. I think you could all potentially be of, of help. Yes, I'm I'm very keen to, uh, to discuss this further with you. And um, yes, I, I think if you have such a valuable source of information, um, we, we should meet soon. We should, we should. He looks over your shoulder, Richard, and, and says... Is that that lady you were with a few nights ago? What was her name? Uh, Margaret. You turn around and Margaret's in the audience. And and she'll be kind of looking that way. And once you look over uh, to her, she will head in uh, your direction. As she approaches and the, you know, characters from the other night are there again, will say, well, it is seems quite serendipitous that we would all meet here again. Richard, it's lovely to see you. And uh, Professor, that was quite the interesting uh, talk. I'm so, I'm so sorry that my Aunt Edith couldn't be here tonight. Oh, she is, um, she's missed. Yes, she she did want me to attend and I'll, I'll make sure that I convey as much as I can of what you shared back to her, though I doubt I will do as good of a job as you. 
I don't believe that for a moment. You seem quite right. <laughs> Thank you. It is lovely to see you again. <laughs> yes. So, perhaps we could get in touch after the dinner. Um, I know we have much to, to, to speak on. Excuse me, um, Professor Smith. I, I hope you don't mind me asking, but... Uh, I, did, I couldn't help but notice there was a gentleman to the rear of the auditorium taking particular interest in, in the lecture and in, 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 in yourself. Uh, uh, a uh, dark-skinned gentleman, large moustache, uh, perhaps uh, perhaps one of your colleagues. Uh, he did seem to be paying uh, considerably more attention to you than many other than other members of the audience here. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if that rings any bells with you, but uh, I thought it might be worth bringing it to your attention. Mm. He rub his fingers together a bit with his with his thumbs. I uh, I couldn't imagine uh, who it might have been. I only mention it because uh, he he seemed to be uh, also paying some some attention to uh, Professor Courtney here. I, I thought, well, I don't know, perhaps some some professional rivalry of some some kind, perhaps or or, or the like. Uh, I'm I'm really not not sure, but he did seem to be uh, well quite intent, shall we say. Mm, yeah. uh, Richard, perhaps a rival from Kings? I, I don't recall a, a, a man fitting that description. I have to say, I, I'd assumed it was somebody perhaps that you'd work with on a dig. No, no, uh, it doesn't sound like anyone's been to a dig for me recently. Mm. Well, this is concerning. Well, are they still around? Could you point out the gentleman to us? Well, I mean, this is why I uh, noticed it, uh, particularly, Miss, um, the, the gentleman in question. Uh, I think he observed me uh, looking in his direction, and uh, he he upped and out with uh, without any delay. Mm. Which uh, that that in itself ma- made me somewhat suspicious that he seemed to seem to uh, have left the auditorium when he was uh, caught, as it were, uh, uh, looking at you. I don't really know quite how how else to say it. It sounds it sounds rather foolish now that I come to say it out loud, but uh... quite possible that there's some reasonable explanation for this, and possibly he got spooked by the professor's lecture itself. Possibly, or perhaps he took a, took took some kind of offence to the subject matter. I am um... mm, possibly. Uh, there are some some who traffic in deeply religious circles who may uh, not appreciate the idea of. Uh, scientifically explaining the existence of spirits. It may trouble them mentally. You understand. Oh, we wouldn't know anything about that, would we? I really couldn't say so. <laughs> well, uh, Miss Bellinger, is it, yes? Yes. This sort of thing interests you, yes? Quite. Um, though I, my knowledge of it is uh, limited, I do find it to be uh, quite fascinating, and I'm more than eager to learn more. Hmm. Well... Perhaps, if you would be interested in uh, more in-depth conversation, I could I could have you uh, up to St. John's. Oh yes, that would be uh, I would enjoy that quite a bit. Hmm. We're just uh, renovating the library, so there might be a bit of dust, but there's more than enough space for proper social call. <laughs> well, I never mind a little bit of dust. Um, that hmm. yeah, that sounds lovely. I would love to come visit, and possibly I could bring uh, an Edith with me as well. I know that she is. Certainly interested in this area. You see the professor look around a bit, uh, and he notices, he seems to notice someone over your shoulder, Mr. Fraser. And when he notices him, you see him reach his hand out and, and acknowledge the gentleman that you all met, the American gentleman that you met in, at the Mosley Collection. He sees you in the crowd. 
over my shoulder and re- recognize the, the gentleman who uh, who suggested the the tea with lemon and honey and just kind of nod uh, um, affirmation and acknowledgement to, towards him. I nod back. Oh, sir, aren't you the one from the exhibit the other day? Come, come over. I, I come walking over. We've all run into each other now. Once again. Yes, sir. What did you think of the of the subject matter? Well, I can understand people being interested in expanding science, but is it a smart idea to disturb those we don't understand? It's hmm. interesting. Is it is it disturbing them? I would put the question to you. Well, you hear what a haunting is when there's a hate and uh they usually try to drive folks out. Is it driving them out or is it attempting to communicate with them? I think that is the difference. Yeah, but are you willing to take that risk? I have taken that risk, sir. As the photographic plates show you, I have taken that risk. And you've been lucky so far. Quite right. I- I'm not telling you to stop. I'm just saying, just caution. Does it worry you? It should should worry everyone well uh perhaps there are some of you here uh, are in agreement with uh mr griffith then mr fraser keeps uh, noticeably quiet <laughs> no i think i think it's our our duty to learn everything we can about any worlds beyond our own absolutely there's no harm in just observing things surely it's not like we're trying to weaponize these uh, uh what did you call them Haints, I believe. Mere scientific curiosity, you understand. All I'm saying is, if you were at home and somebody kept flashing pictures at you and trying to disturb you, wouldn't you be upset, ma'am? Well, considering most of these things appear to be in our homes, I would say they're often the ones doing the disturbing, if you believe the popular reports. Pictures being knocked off the walls, books flying across the room, possessions, all that sort of thing. Sounds like they're bothering us, not the other way around. Well, that does bring up a good point of uh, controversy there, whether or not we are intruding on them or they are intruding on us. And to find that out, though, would we not need to be able to communicate with them? And perhaps we can learn to live together, (laughs) live, Uh, get along, let's say. Uh, if we understand them better, whereas in the current situation, if these ghosts and things do exist, then we are merely irritating each other, wouldn't you say? Possibly. If we can understand them, then we can and communicate, as you were saying, Professor, then we can work out how to to work together and and how to go through existence without driving each other mad. Or bothering each other with things as simple as pictures and flashing lights. You are a wonder, lady. I know. I'm curious, Professor, uh, regarding these uh, scientific experimentations uh, you're taking part in, uh, as to what you believe uh, causes the uh, existence of such an apparition. Why would some of those who have passed on uh, return in the form of what call you the poltergeists or ghosts or whatnot and so forth? That is my contention, my good man. My contention is that they do not go anywhere. What? Nobody who dies goes anywhere. 
No, no, I wouldn't say no one. I would say that uh, in my research, I believe after the heart stops, that the brain begins to uh, resolve its final condition, that some simply move into, they move through the physical world into this different world, which we cannot normally see or touch. And if you don't mind me asking, who who decides which which person that passes on passes on to uh, the the whatever you might call it the ethereal realm passes mm-hmm. on you know, to an, the afterlife and which remains here to uh, as a ghostly specter to to haunt the living who who decides this who decides who stays and who goes on that is an excellent question i wonder if would i be too bold if i suggested that no one decides well you, it can't be surely surely it can't be merely arbitrary that some some of of those who 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 die remain on earth i mean that that doesn't seem to have any sense to it at all as far as i can see hmm. well i wouldn't presuppose as to assume who has the control of that lever what i do know is that i have been able to photograph three different instances of uh, apparitions or uh, evidence of these beings. And as these plates clearly show, the markings, the size of the apparition are the same in each camera. And that cannot be tricked. Well, it cannot be tricked to the best of your knowledge. As I dare say, many, many people have said about the uh, the photographs that you uh, you debunked earlier on in your lecture that uh, oh these are clearly uh, fakes and forgeries you can see you can see where one plate is laid on top of the other plate and 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 this uh, this, this is uh, this the work of a charlatan that is merely your scientific your greater scientific understanding to see how this trickery has been performed now fraser uh, i do beg your pardon your ladyship but you you know how i feel about these things and uh, I, A healthy dose of scepticism is never a bad thing, but you can't prove your ideas either. So I think we're at a bit of a a scientific impasse here. Meaty tome here, which I think is proof enough. Yes, well, we won't get into that now, will we? No, Your Ladyship, of course. I do apologise for... I do apologise. I I do take the point, the passion of your argument is well-respected. I think it is important in these times to weigh the information that is at hand and to continue to seek information we do not have. And that is my main goal, to continue to seek the enlightenment we do not have yet. And there is surely no harm in that, is there? In just just observing and looking and seeing what's out there. It's only a matter of keeping one's eyes open. There can be no harm with that. Well, you say that, but do you know what happened to the curious cat? Well, yes, but surely that's... If you remember, Fraser, the full saying is curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought him back. So learning the answers is a good thing in this case, I would say. That's that's not the way my mother told told it, your ladyship, if you don't mind me saying so. Information made him fat. I think that's that. That's the line she she, she taught me. So it, it just goes to show that the the second line varies from place to place, but the first line remains the same no matter where you go. Wait, but the information made him fat when he was already dead. 
<laughs> ah, exactly, exactly, Miss. You, you, you put your finger right on the nub of the argument there. It's all very well to have the information, but if you're dead, what good does it do you? Unless, of course, you come back as a ghost and impart it upon the, the, the living that still uh, still roam the earth. Doesn't sound like too bad of, a, of an option, personally. Speaking, if I may, Professor speaks up, uh, of options. The banquet hall is filled with uh, libations and, uh, and food. We should take our opportunity. Yes, of course. You all adjourn to the banquet hall. Uh, it is beyond your expectations, at least most of you, and I would say as far as food goes. And I would say, uh, Frazier, you're, you're happy enough with the way the staff is working. The food is probably as good as some of the things that have come out of the kitchen in Kensington. But really where the staff here has done its duty is in presentation. They have really spread the table with something magnificent. And it becomes quickly clear to you that the reason why people show up on this is uh, to these events is not necessarily for the topic. It's it's for the, the dinner. He kind of calms down after that somewhat kind of um, he- heated uh, outburst. <laughs> uh, minds his place. He'll sit um, wherever he's directed to. I'm, I'm kind of assuming that perhaps he'll be sitting next to her ladyship. He'll enjoy his dinner and and, and ensure that uh, her ladyship has everything she needs. If Lady Elizabeth is, is in any way inconvenienced, he will go out of his way to make sure that, that that's set right in without any delay at all. Try and make up for his slight overstepping earlier on. You do your, your part to make sure that she has what she needs. There are a few, not oversights, but adjustments that they have to make. They use your nonverbal cues to make sure that she gets what she needs. I would imagine that the the, the, um, the waiting staff here are, are, are very well trained, and there'll, there'll be a kind of a common common language that uh, that we speak without uh, without without a, um, intruding into the conversation of of our betters. It's like a thieves' camp, but among service staff. I was uh, also wondering um, if this is the kind of banquet where seating is assigned, or if Maggie would be able to suggest that we let's continue our conversation over dinner. It's not so much assigned, but the table that you're placed at is not necessarily the position of of honor per se. Yeah. Professor Smith sits with the members of the Institute. He's at the head table. Yes. Uh, But all of his invitees are at Mm -hmm. one table. Oh, okay. So we are all there together then. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Unless, of course, Milady would like different accommodations, in which case the service staff adjusts for whatever she wants because they have to. I'm quite happy sitting at the table with everyone else to continue this fascinating conversation. Also, I, I don't necessarily trust Fraser to uh, to sit over there without, without me. So please uh, continue. Yeah, Richard, why don't you uh, sit next to me? And also, you can call me Maggie. You don't have to call me Margaret. My father calls me Margaret. Well, But you can call me Maggie. Well, well thank you, Maggie. Um, <laughs> that's lovely. Richard's going to just be really awkward here. <laughs> Richard's going to look around and just this is a really unfamiliar sort of thing for him he's going to look around and just see if there's any other kind of you know gentleman pulling chairs away for uh, for the ladies to sit down or whether this is something that the uh, the service staff are doing uh, this is something the service staff are doing although there are a couple of instances where some of it appears anyway some of the non-titled couples they're are partners they're you know, they're they're dealing with their own 
partner rather than having the service staff, or if there's a, a special need case based off of age or something specific. Yeah, so Richard's kind of observing this behavior and it looks like it's the sort of thing you should probably think about doing. So he's going to kind of just sort of go around behind Maggie and uh, let, let me get that for you. Oh, oh well, thank you, Richard. Uh, not at all, not at all. Pushes the chair in and uh, sits back down himself. It did seem like we all got in quite the heated discussion there previously. Hopefully we can possibly be a little more uh, amicable and understanding that uh, some like to explore the, these, uh, the darker side of the sciences at times, it seems. And um, I'm sure that we all have a loved one that we've lost that we would want to talk to again if we had the chance. Well, science is such a serious business. It, it can be anyway. Yes, it there's so much to say. You, you you don't want to hear me talk about mathematics and 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 how that could intersect with the, the paraphysical, though. Um, the, the, there must be many more interesting things. Any uh, top topics of conversation over dinner? Well, you know, Richard, I hadn't even thought of how mathematics, how your field, could uh, align and overcross with the professors. But you think that it possibly could? Oh well, let let me tell you something. I I believe that. For everything in the in the world, everything in the the universe, the things that we know about, the things that we don't, there's a some sort of interconnectedness. There's a, a some sort of model. It's it's really hard to explain the concept, but uh, there's a a set of rules and 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 laws and things. And and if if you apply numbers to them, you can predict what's going to happen. It's it, it's. He's getting really flustered trying to explain this, and he realizes the further he goes with this, the, dig- the, the deeper the hole he's digging for himself. And let me show you sometime. It's it, it's like one of your beautiful paintings or, or drawings you were talking about. It's 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 like a piece of art, but it's it's sort of mathematical. It's it's, it's hard to explain, but uh, I, I'll try sometime. Oh yes, I I would quite like that if you could show me more. Yes, yes, no, that'd be fantastic. The dinner service, as, uh, as was mentioned, is, is excellent. Uh, the food is uh, substantial. Uh, your every need as far as food and drink is seen to. Who else is at this meal? I mean, I'm, I'm actually looking around every, every so often just to see if I can see any sign of this, uh, this mustachioed gentleman from earlier on. You can, if you'd like to give me a spot hidden roll, you can. Yeah, it'll not be a zero one until I out from <laughs> <laughs> is a 20 over 70. Okay, so that's uh, definitely a hard success. Yeah, that's a hard success. Um, You do see him one more time, and you see him out of place a bit. So not at the service entrance, um, but you see him along the side of a couple of the tables. Um, does, does, does he look like he's he's been eating at one of the tables and, and he's got up, or he's just kind of hovering about? Uh, it looks like he's hovering, and he seems to be scratching something like on a notepad. Uh, and then a service a member, of the, a member of staff stops and asks him if he needs anything. He just quickly waves them off and then tucks whatever he was working on back into his pocket and then makes his way outside. What, what I'll try and do, if I can, when the um, member of staff dis- distracts him slightly, I will try and get um, Professor Courtney's attention and, and kind of gesture with my head over towards where uh, where, where this man's standing and say, that's the fellow from earlier on that I was talking about. 
the foreign gentleman with oh I see yes 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 speaking to the uh, speaking to the waiter over there just now he's, he's got seems to be taking some notes or something notes yeah you see him he's definitely got the look of someone who's from the look and appearance anyway uh, but there is a definite air to him uh, that's not necessarily Arabic that's not necessarily Greece he's uh, the eyebrows the mustache there's definitely something to him and he's obviously taking notes uh, is he talking to the waiter while he's taking notes or just just talking to the waiter he doesn't talk to the waiter per se mm. other than to seem seemingly wave him off oh okay okay I'm minded to find out what this gentleman's up to it's rather strange but uh, I, I feel somewhat out of place doing that here professor why don't you take a turn around the room with uh, with Miss Margaret here and just happen to run into him what a splendid idea well, we certainly could do that yes uh, if you're up for it Oh, of course. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Richard, Richard will stand up and... Uh, oh, let, let me get that for you. Let's stand behind uh, Maggie's chair and... Uh... Thank you. You two get up, and it's at that point that, uh, Mr. Mr. Fraser, you notice this gentleman move. And he moves toward the exit. You better move quickly. He's on his way out. All right. Uh, quick, let's let's go. Mike has already started walking fast. <laughs> she like loops her arm in his arm and is like, "Let's go." Oh, oh! The two of you move a little quicker than you were expecting, Richard. <laughs> Make your way towards him. It's at this point, at least someone with uh, uh, same Mr. Fraser's background, and for that matter, Mr. Griffith's background, would notice that the Turkish gentleman begins to increase the distance. Uh, of his stride. Um, he is fairly, not tall per se, but he's taller than Richard for sure. He's probably, probably a little over six feet tall and he doesn't, he doesn't slow down. He increases his stride length and he begins increasing his speed. Is there a place where we could cut him off at the pass? Um, you could attempt to, um, it would be, uh, it would be quite the, uh, the dexterity roll to, to attempt such a thing. That's fine. We can try. Uh, oh, Richard, would you like to continue pursuit or we could possibly cut him off over here? Yes, I think you're right. I, I don't think we can keep up with him otherwise. Okay. Do you want us both to roll or a Yeah, because, because I think it would be hilarious if Richard, like, critically <laughs> succeeded and see him bolt after someone. And you said uh, dex, right? Yeah, I just want to see how fast you can get uh, into motion. Okay. If Miranda Miranda succeeds and and drags Richard off, uh, and he trips over because she's running so fast, right. I roll a twenty one against eighty five. Wow, so that wow. is close. Hard, yeah. Yep, that's the hard success. And Richard rolled a sixty five against a fifty. <laughs> okay. So, so won't. it wasn't. <laughs> Maggie, you take off at a fair clip, and because you're excited and you were kind of close to. Richard, you keep your hand on him. Unfortunately, as he begins to move, your hand kind of closes on his wrist. So the table sees is Maggie kind of pull Richard along as if he's a kite. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, this slows you down just a bit. And this gentleman breaches the outer doors before you can get to him. 
Okay. And you realize, being the daughter of a, of a well-mannered family, that if you continue to move at this pace, it will be a bit unseemly. Yeah. Uh, no, we. W- I would stop once he made his way out the doors. I would not continue pursuit. <laughs> He's given us the slip. He certainly has. Hmm. Well, that definitely makes it seem like his uh, intentions weren't the best, as I maybe gave him the credit for earlier. No, indeed, but I can't imagine what he was up to. I mean, it's a a dinner. What's he observing? Not sure, but regardless, that was quite fun, Richard. Well, yes. (laughs) Yes, it was rather. (laughs) We should probably make our way back to the table now. Yes, I I think you're right. I think you're right. (laughs) And I'll head back, at least. The two of you return. That was a good show. Thank you. I enjoyed that very much. Most interesting thing to happen at one of these boring dinners in a very long time. I'll curtsy then before I sit down. <laughs> you can tell, Lady Fitzroy, you can tell that there are some there are some people here who have taken notice of what just went on and probably have a just a terrible opinion of what's been what's what's just happened. You can also tell that across the room at the tables the other tables which face you, there are some of the younger generation that truly enjoyed what just happened, even if they have no idea what happened. Anything to break up the monotony. I'm with them. I take it the gentleman uh, eluded you then. He did, I'm afraid. I hope we didn't make too much of a spectacle. Which gentleman are you talking about? Uh, did you did you see the um, the, the, the foreign-looking chap? Um, who, who was standing over there next to the waiter? No, I didn't want to disturb the ladies while they were talking. Uh, it's dinner time. Yes, yes, that's that's very proper. The dinner wraps up. Smith stops by the table just before he leaves and says that uh, he'll send word when he has some available. He shouldn't be more than a day or so. And then we can get together if you'd like to go over further. This is more directed towards Richard and uh, Lady Fitzroy, but he says it in clear and plain openness to kind of everybody. Yes, we must discuss those notes. We will. Well, what do you have in mind? Oh, well, uh, put plainly, just a, perhaps a afternoon tea and a work over of these notes. Excellent. I have a house in Kensington. You must all come by for tea. That would be my pleasure. She says this without, pointedly without looking at Fraser. <laughs> I will uh, send round some invitations to tea sometime tomorrow, and we will set it up, shall we? Wonderful. So, here's what I'd like to know. In the evening and day or so which follows, are any of the investigators doing anything specific? I think possibly on the walk home, Mr. Fraser will kind of subtly bring up this, the subject of this book in, in conversation. Your ladyship... Uh, I couldn't help but 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 overhear a conversation, or little of the conversation anyway, regarding some some book that Professor Smith was uh, was referring to. Uh, I hope you don't think me too forward, but uh, I'm wondering, could it, was this by any chance the book that uh, that William um, brought round to the house uh, a short while ago? Yes, well, I rather think it is. At least he led me to believe so, the way he described it. I would be very surprised if Father had two of the same book. 
the, the locked book uh, that, the, that uh, the locksmith was around to, to take a look at. Yes. Did William by any chance mention anything to you about how the book made him feel? I know it's a somewhat peculiar subject to bring up, but... Uh... I'm going to tilt my head sort of quizzically and just look at him. It's a very strange question, Fraser. I mean, I dare say it was it, it was all part and parcel of of being being in uh, such circumstances, and and you know, obviously not slept well. And, but uh, he was very concerned about this book, and it made him very nervous and, and and uneasy. He couldn't really put his finger on exactly why, but uh, his concern made me concerned. And, and you know, obviously, your ladyship, I, I have only your best interests at heart, and. Uh, I can't help but think that that, that uh, well, this this book and and perhaps the the subject matter contained within it might might not be in, might not be entirely. I hesitate to use the word suitable, but uh, but might not uh, be entirely healthy to to delve too deeply into. I appreciate the concern, Fraser, but my reading materials are my own. And as you know, I haven't even opened it yet, so I don't think William would have any knowledge of what it actually contains. As to feeling upset or stressed or whatever it was, well, that was just sort of the effect of Father's Library in general. And you know, he always had a bit of a, a susceptible mind, let's say. I well, no doubt it's that. I just, I just wanted you to know m- my feelings on the matter, Your Ladyship, because... Uh, as I say, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to to see you un, un, under any uh, any any stress or, or duress in, in in any way. And your concerns are are noted. I, I understand, Fraser, and I do appreciate that you have my well being under consideration. And we will discuss it further should there be any strange happenings or weird feelings or the house suddenly being haunted from this book or, or whatever it is. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I go so far as to say that was a consideration, but uh, <laughs> I've said my mind and I, and I can say no more, Your, your Ladyship. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very glad that, that you've, you've taken it in, in, in the manner in which, in which you have and, and I hope you don't think that I'm, I'm, I'm speaking out of turn or, or, or anything of the like. No, I appreciate your concern for my well-being. That is one of the reasons why I hired you, after all. But I will read this book. I do intend to keep it. I do intend to find a way to open it, and I do intend to read it. And you can't, you can't sway me on that point, Fraser. So just, just remember that. Very well, your ladyship. I, I understand. I understand completely. You see, the locksmith was not able to to find a way to open this book. Well, perhaps a better locksmith. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I shall keep looking, although I've been informed that uh, the professor, uh, Professor Richard, I don't remember his last name. Oh, oh, Mr. Uh, Professor Courtney. Yes. um, Yes, at the museum, yes. Yes, uh, the, the very quiet one. Uh, mm. He may be able to help me out with this problem, so just th- there may be some some book opening happening soon. I hope. Anyone else going to do anything in the uh, interim period? Yes, sir. Uh, Simon is going to drop by a bookshop and see if he can get a book on Modway. Yeah, it's uh, it should be fairly easy actually. There's a uh, well, 
Maudsley's book on himself is not out yet. It doesn't actually come out until 1930. There are documented textbooks on some of the work that he's done uh, over the past uh, several years. He actually spends about 50 years in the Pacific for England and brings home tons of stuff. But yeah, you can get a, uh, a fair accounting of some of the works that he's done. I'll pick a couple of those books up and I'll see if there's anything on Smith's works too. Um, curiously enough, there isn't anything on his works specifically. There are some journals that you can get of uh, opinions on some of his classes and some of his work, but um, he is more, uh, it seems anyway, uh, a literary critique and researcher rather than a publisher. Although he does have some publications that he's done, uh, but no no actual formal books per se. Okay, I'll... Well, I'll pick these up what I can, and I will be flipping through it this evening at my uh, room. Okay. Uh, and then, I guess, Richard? So, Richard, um, his interest has been stoked, shall we say, by the proceedings of the last few days. Um, he's going to do something unusual for him. He's going to go to a library, which isn't particularly unusual, but he's going to start reading a little bit about Greek history. Um he wants to see if he can sort of find out more about this location where uh, uh, Julius has been recently to see if he can get any more background on the uh, things that have been recently uncovered. Sure. That will probably take a day or so. I suppose then, uh, we should be clear then, uh, Maggie, what uh, what would you fill your time with? Well, I would definitely be going home and uh, laughing about the events of the evening with my Aunt Edith and conveying the story of me and Richard chasing a gentleman <laughs> out of the banquet. I would mostly spend my time with her, see if her spirits have been uplifted as she has had uh, more social outings lately than previously because up until the point of the event at the museum, she had mostly just been staying in the house. So, Yeah, the... Um back in the states the what she went to instead of going to this this talk would be probably something like more like a spinster event (laughs) would basically be a bunch of elderly ladies getting together and and chatting over um, dinner or tea or something like that she marvels at your experience she laughs right along with you she imagines the people at the uh, imperial institute probably gawking and Uh, all manner of trouble that uh, some brash young American woman has brought into their midst and she loves it. We'll say a, a day or so passes and then um, Rena, are you going to have them send invites out for tea? Yes, I have a proper written invitation sent around to everyone for this little event. Uh, and then what date are you setting it on? Um, probably for Hmm. The best, most appropriate thing, I think, would be if they get sent the day after the banquet for two days after that. So you do get a reply from um, Professor Smith. Messenger comes by with the... Uh, this would be something that Fraser probably uh, take because he he handles your mail. Mr. Fraser would be aware that uh, Professor Smith has agreed to come on the set date. Mm-hmm. Because you're probably the one who would do it. I would like Simon to make me a library use roll. Oh dear. That would be a failure. 
I assume that Simon is likely to stay up on the newspaper, at least marginally. Oh, yes. He's definitely interested in world news. Right. So would anybody else here actively read the newspaper or have the new newspaper read to them? Because some of you are like that, probably. Absolutely. Um, I definitely would as well. Mr. Fraser would, uh, he would, he would read the newspaper. All right. Well, we'll uh, house Kensington. There would probably be a number of different newspapers delivered to to the house. And Oh yeah, I would imagine so. You'd probably get two or two or three. The broadsheets, of course, not the tabloids. <laughs> yes. Come think of it. Maggie probably has, uh, her Aunt Edith probably has the newspaper delivered too. Although I'm betting Aunt Edith also has, um, Maybe a tabloid sheet too, because she's just like that. Oh yes, as, uh, I, yes, as many tabloids as newspapers. I will give you a advantage, Maggie, on that roll. Okay, uh, that's library use. Yep. Okay, that's a good skill for me. Wow, that's a ten uh, under seventy-five. That's that's an extreme. Yep. Oh, I have advantage. Thank goodness. <laughs> Just a regular success. Yes. Um, so my library use is not particularly high. But... <clears throat> uh, that's a 53 over 20. So <laughs> not a success. All right. So then in that case, I will share something directly with a couple of the players. So the two of you uh, gain access to that. Oh, oh my! I don't know if I would show this to Aunt Edith or if Aunt Edith would show this one to me. <laughs> she probably shows that one to you. <laughs> Whichever one of us sees it first, she's, the other one. She's so. fascinated with it. Yeah, I think I would point this out to Fraser because I would find it interesting, especially because he mentioned that. The, uh, what was going on with the uh, the man at the banquet and at the lecture. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I would point it out to Fraser maybe over, over brec- when he brings in my breakfast or whatever. Fraser, listen to this. Uh, yes, your ladyship, yes. Man dies three times in one night. Three bodies in hotel. Each man carries same identity. Three slain men were discovered last night in a London hotel, each bearing positive identification as Mr. Mehmet Macriot of Islington. Each had been stabbed through the heart. Maids at the Chelsea Arms Hotel discovered the remains. The room was also registered in the name of Mr. Macriot. Bonafide papers identify the trio as one man. Mr. Macriot, who is a Turkish antique and art dealer doing business in this city. The victims bear superficial resemblances, and each had passed as Mr. Macriot since independently arriving in London three days ago. Confusingly, the real Mr. Macriot, or at least the man described by neighboring shopkeepers as Mr. Macriot, cannot be found. Police request that he come forth. The passports of these Turkish nationals record independent worldwide travels for each man over the past three years. Inspector Fleming of Scotland Yard is at a loss to describe the meaning of the bizarre mystery, but is eager to converse with any other Mehmet Macriots still living. <laughs> I don't quite understand your your ladyship. But what the three three gentlemen all carrying identification as this um, Mr. Macriot were found in the same room together. 
Yes, well, apparently so. And it was all the same man, apparently. Or at least their identification said the same thing. Let me just let me just check the calendar, your ladyship, to ensure that it's not April the first. Oh, oh my! Uh, I mean, uh, more is news, it, Fraser. Is this a, is this a serious article? I, I I mean. Yes, well, it's it's in the papers, but uh, li- listen to this. I'm I'm, oh my! Professor's home burns. Fears for his safety. Professor Julius Arthur Smith, a figure well-known in academia, was sought today following the burning of a St. John's Woods home under mysterious circumstances. Missing also is Dr. Smith's manservant, one James Beddoes. Witnesses saw a man resembling Beddoes run from the house just before the fire broke out. Anyone knowing the whereabouts of Dr. Smith or Beddoes is requested to contact Detective Sergeant Rigby at Scotland Yard's arson division. Professor Smith's home burned down. My lord, I, 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 I do beg your pardon, your ladyship. I, I thought this was some sort of a joke. It's, is this is this serious? These these men dead and, and, and the house burned? Yes, well, it appears so. They're both in the same paper this morning. You, you said, Fraser, that the man you saw at the... At the lecture and in the banquet appeared to be Turkish. I mean, I saw him, but I wouldn't recognize his nationality. Yeah, well, yes, he did appear to be. To, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't swear to it, but certainly mm-hmm. that, he gave that impression. Um, do you think this is this this is the same man? This is Macriart? Did you say? I don't. I really. I. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Um, I mean, why would why would three four men be carrying the same identification? I don't know, but it does sound rather strange. And we have this whole business with the professor. Indeed, I, I mean... I, I do hope he's all right. Yes, I, so do I. And, and, and his his manservant was seen running from, from the house while it was on fire. Yes, that doesn't bode well, does it? But they didn't say anything about finding a body in the house, so I suppose that's good news. If you wouldn't mind, Fraser, when you're finished your morning duties, would you put through a call to Scotland Yard for me? Of course, of course. Um, uh, what was the name again, you said? Uh, we're, we're looking for Detective Sergeant Rigby, the arson division. Detective Sergeant Rigby. Yes, of course. Uh, of course, right away. Thank you, Fraser. Maggie, you're upstairs in your aunt's house, just enjoying the rest of the morning after your uh, your walk through a, a slightly chilly Hyde Park. Uh, and you talked to her a bit this morning when she showed you the pic- the uh, news story about the uh, man dying three, three different times in one night uh, when she screams from downstairs. A blood-curdling uh, pulse... <laughs> Tightening scream. Yeah, yeah. I rush down as fast as I can. Aunt Edith, Aunt Edith, what's wrong? You see her. She's crumpled into a dining room chair. There is a, a, a newspaper, a different newspaper, in her hand, and she's shaking. And she says, uh, it, it, "It's in the paper here. It's the the professor's house burned down." His house burned down. How dreadful. I, I, Is he okay? Did the paper say anything? It, it doesn't say. Look, look. 
and she thrusts the paper into your hands. I'm sure if something was the matter with the professor, it would say that that they. I'm sh- I'm sure that he's fine, Aunt Edith. She covers her Great. mouth, her her hands trembling. Yes, here. Let me here, let me get let me get you some water. We, oh, she waits and takes the water and tries to level herself out a little bit, but you can tell that she's clearly stunned by the news. Yes. Uh, possibly we could uh, we could get a message to the the professor. Maybe it um, maybe it is his work, his office. Um, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure that he's fine, Anne Edith. She tries to get herself to agree with what you're saying. You can tell it's a it's a struggle. You know, I'm sure it was a a simple. I'm I'm sure there's a simple ex- explanation for this. And this this article is so short. There's so much that they leave out. I'm I'm, I'm sure that there's a, a reason why his house was burned down and that he's completely safe. I hope so. And that is where we're going to call it tonight. So uh, thank you all for listening and thank the cast for being along for this uh, beginning of a wild ride. And uh, we look forward to hearing them go through this next episode. Thanks, everybody.